Hello, this is Focal Point for Monday the 16th of March 2009. Today we're going to be talking about the law and the internet. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Padney and Gihan Pereira for this week's edition. Hello Chris, how are you? I'm well, thanks Gihan, how are you? I'm happy. I'm happy taking a little bit of a break, but as usual, being dedicated to Focal Point and making sure that we get our podcast done. Absolutely. Yes. So today, as I said, we're going to be talking about the law and the internet. And I guess this has been triggered by a couple of stories that have happened recently, in particular in the, in the last month in Australia, we've had some horrific bushfires that have ravaged parts of Southeast Australia. There has been some, there's been a, a huge outrage. Uh, as well as huge sadness around Australia and even around parts of the world. But the outrage comes from people who are upset about what appears to be a case of arson. Yeah, that's right, Gihan. So unfortunately in Australia we have uh, a bushfire season every year and in many cases the bushfires are started deliberately rather than through natural causes. And it was announced in the media that uh, it was suspected that one of the Victorian bushfires was started by an arsonist. And um, as is uh, required in Australia, the, the, the mainstream media aren't permitted to uh, reveal the identity of um, people alleged to have committed crimes, such as arson in this instance. And that's fair enough, because we have this uh, quaint but very useful principle that says that you're innocent until you're proven guilty. And uh, so that's reasonable. So this person who is an alleged arsonist is... Uh, in the eyes of the law, uh, an innocent person, an innocent man, as it turns out. However, there have been some people who found out his identity, and in Facebook and in blogs around the country, um, there were people who were calling for him to be burnt to the stake and asking for people to take retribution against this guy. They they showed pictures, they revealed his name, and apparently somebody who lived close to him was the one who revealed the information, which then Facebook groups and bloggers picked up and started distributing around the internet. Uh, and it actually caused perhaps more problems than it was trying to solve, because you can understand these internet vigilantes wanting to uh, get revenge or seek retribution, and yet by doing so they might have actually hampered the prosecution's case against him if he ever went to court. That's right. The, the chances of this guy getting a, fr- uh, a fair trial were uh, compromised by the, the cyber vigilantism, as, as we like to call it, that occurred in this case. Yes. Yeah, so we thought we'd talk today about the whole idea of the, the Wild Web. In other words, the, the law and the Internet and how the Internet is perhaps seen as a lawless place and what we can do about it. And I guess it started because uh, the internet has been a place where people have been able to express themselves pretty freely. And in the early days, there were no laws. There was no regulation uh, covering the internet. And now legislators are trying to bring it under society's laws and to doing it with varying degrees of success. Yeah, that's right. Um, and there's, there's a, a natural reason for that in that no particular country has jurisdiction over the entire Internet. The Internet is a global uh, infrastructure uh, and it, it doesn't just stop at one country's borders, it extends beyond those borders. So it's pretty difficult for any one country to legislate the entire Internet, although some countries or some countries' governments think they can. 
That's right. And this is now becoming a bigger and bigger problem. The internet has always had this unregulated culture to it. But however, now in the last few years, because of Web 2.0, because we've gone to an upload culture rather than a download culture, we're in a situation where more and more people are able to express themselves through the internet. So a few, until a few years ago, people weren't able to create a thing like a Facebook profile or a public website, which is a blog. Uh, they weren't able to share their comments through public forums like Twitter and MySpace and Facebook groups. And because of Web 2.0, something which has always been there has now suddenly become a lot more mainstream. Yes, and, and it's also quite a complicated thing, isn't it, in that um, who, if you're trying to uh, to perhaps sue someone who's made comments about you online, so another example of this kind of problem is anonymous online libel whereby someone leaves a comment about you or someone else in an online forum anonymously uh, then who's responsible is it the isp who's responsible is it the web host is it the company that owns that particular website that's responsible it's a, a really tricky thing to try and legislate so yes it's a, it's a new frontier for for lawyers all right, so let's, let's talk about this issue then, Chris. So the first thing is that the Internet does allow people to perhaps express themselves more widely than they would have in the past, that the power has gone to the, to the individual user who perhaps previously felt that they didn't have much, much power and much strength and much ability to, to express their point of view, and now the Internet allows them to do that. Uh, so, so, Chris, one of the things that I think is that it's not necessarily that the Internet you know, it turns good people into bad. I think what it does is it helps people express what they want to do. And in the past, they haven't had a medium for doing so, and now they have. So I think it's a little bit like a magnifying glass. So if you want to do good, the Internet helps you do more good in the world and spread your message further and wider. If you want to do bad or you want to express yourself negatively or you want to express your anger or your outrage or your frustration even, the Internet allows you to do that as well. That's right, yep. So there's a, there's a saying that I remember seeing, I think, way back in our university days, Chris, which is way back uh, more than 20 years ago now, uh, where somebody said, you need a license to own a gun, but they'll sell a modem to anybody. That's right. And, uh, you know, it's funny that there, there's very little training or support that goes into um, helping people use the Internet effectively. Uh, the, you can buy a computer at a shop and all you get is some instructions on how to connect you to the Internet, but you very rarely get any rules or guidelines or etiquette training on how to use it. And I know there are some people who think that you really need a license to run a computer. That's right. That's why we have Focal Point. That's uh, one of our recurring themes is trying to encourage people to uh, be good netizens, as, as they're referred to, um, and try and spread positive messages and use the Internet for good rather than for evil. Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. Because people don't realize sometimes the, the effect that they're having on other people because they're sitting behind a computer screen, they send out a message to the world and the rest of the world reads it, they interpret the tone of voice, uh, and even if it's what you meant, it may actually cause harm. And there, there have been cases of cyberbullying, which have even led to people dying. Yep, that's, uh, there was a recent article in the Sydney Morning Herald about uh, people being harassed by their mobile phones or through uh, online forums and places uh, like social networking websites and have eventually led to these people, these, uh, the victims uh, committing suicide. So very unfortunate effect and as you say, this amplification of bad behaviour that, that, uh, that the internet can enable is, is a real problem and so people are starting to call for legislators to try and do something about it. Right, so let's talk about that, Chris, because we have this, we have this contradiction where you've got the internet which, which 
allows people to be free and to express themselves freely. And at the same time, we all live in a society that's bound by laws and, and just social guidelines. And we'd like, I'm sure that all of us as citizens, would like to prevent the extreme groups and the extreme people from expressing their views and uh, venting hate and maybe even stirring up uh, hatred in communities. But at the same token, we want to have our freedom to express our views. And uh, But we think that we're doing it within the law and they're not. So one of the big, big problems is that the law does lag behind. Yeah, that's right. Um, with with disruptive technologies like the internet, it's it's natural that that should have occurred. Um, I think your friend Brandon put it best when he said, if you have an internet strategy for a year or or two into the future, then you're already too far behind. So predicting the consequences of things like Web 2.0 and trying to proactively introduce legislation is probably not the right way to go. And plus, the legislative process is slow anyway. We, we have uh, a parliament that debates uh, particular pieces of legislation before they're introduced as law. Um, and that's, you know, that's what we want. We want uh, pieces of legislation to be scrutinised, and that takes some time. Yeah, and there are other media, like um, TV, radio, print media, who are regulated and they do have licenses. And so what they publish is controlled to some extent, which has pros and cons. So one, we like the fact that it's regulated. But on the other hand, we feel that all the power is in the hand of a few media moguls who have, who say, who have control over every word that's expressed in the whole country and in the whole world. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, old media have been around for a while, and so as a consequence, there is legislation in place uh, to regulate their behaviour. But uh, new media like the web and the internet uh, is relatively new territory, um, and some legislation has been introduced, but um, in many cases, I think it's fallen short of uh, the aims that it's, it's meant to achieve. I think one of the big problems there, Chris, is that the legislators aren't necessarily technical people and they don't necessarily call on the expertise of technical people. We've had the situation recently that we've talked about quite a bit about Australia trying to censor the internet and it seems that that proposal is going to fall by the wayside now from what we've heard recently. But we know that, and as we discussed, it was all about political grandstanding and political manoeuvring rather than technical expertise. And the technical experts were saying, this is not possible, this is not feasible, this is not reasonable, and yet the politicians were going ahead with it anyway for their own political purposes. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's another unpleasant side effect of, uh, of um, modern politics is that many bits of legislation are compromised or broken or clueless as a consequence of various lobbying efforts and, and kind of political uh, or politicking as opposed to actually thinking about what they want to achieve. So on the other hand, there's, there's, te there's technology that actually has worked um, and the, the political version hasn't worked. For example, the anti-spam legislation, Chris, which you've also talked about, it's just been completely unsuccessful because politicians have created some rules which stop ordinary email users and stop ordinary businesses but don't stop the spammers and it's and it's the technology people, the ISPs and the web hosts and the, the technology companies who are actually trying to do something to combat spam and they're succeeding. I mean, not to a great level because spam is still a big problem, but the real solutions are technical solutions, not grandstanding and political solutions. Yeah, that's right. As you say, the anti-spam legislation has had a negligible effect on controlling the volumes of spam that we have to deal with. Um, and as you say, only 
only put in in place a barrier for legitimate businesses who've got mailing lists and so forth. Um, and the real solutions have been those anti-spam filters that we all have to run these days in order to keep spam out of our faces and, and put them into trash folders and so forth. And another good example is uh, the legislation for, um, yeah, for intellectual property protection. So in the United States, they've got the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which uh, was the consequence of very intense lobbying by the various recording industry lobby groups. And that, again, has had negligible effect on the amount of um, digital piracy that goes on and has really only succeeded in punishing a few college students who've been caught file-sharing illegally. Um, but, you know, piracy continues almost unabated. Uh, so, again, two bits of, of legislation that uh, were more about politics than they were actually about trying to uh, achieve the solution that they wanted, reducing spam and reducing digital piracy. Actually, while we're talking about that, that music piracy issue, Chris, there's the, the New Zealand government has just introduced legislation which broadly says that record companies can, if they accuse somebody of piracy three times in a row, then their eyes, then that person's ISP is required to terminate the internet connection. Have you heard about that? Yeah, the three strikes and you're out policy that uh, that's been introduced. It's yeah, it's insane, really. So. They just—they don't need to present any evidence. They simply make, need to make an accusation uh, without any supporting evidence, which is, well, clueless. <laughs> it's clueless and it's—it's uh, it's dangerous and it's—it's uh, it's also assuming that the, that person's internet connection is only used for downloading illegal music, and it, it may not even be that person's internet connection. It could be a family using it, they could be using it for study, they could be using it for other use, which they, which they most likely are, and it turns that whole thing around, as I said at the start, that we believe in uh, innocent until proven guilty, and this completely turns it around and puts it in the hand of the recording industries instead of, instead of judges and juries. Hmm. Yeah. So again, the power of um, the lobbying groups is is in evidence there. Yeah, that's right. And you know that that's the sort of thing that makes me want to become an internet vigilante, and I want to that. <laughs> <laughs> because I was just looking at that and thinking, well, maybe we could get all the ISPs to gang up and pass as part of their terms and conditions that if any user falsely accuses another user three times of something, <laughs> then the internet connection would be cut off. <laughs> Um, but of course, it's, you know, it's just, it's just again, it's a small person trying to fight against uh, big corporates and big governments and and the, the David vs Goliath, and that's the sort of thing which you can understand where it makes people's blood boil that the governments and the politicians and the judges, in the case of the arsonists, aren't doing something, so people want to take matters into their own hands. Yeah. So but, what do we do uh, about this? We're striking out with pod, with podcast gear, aren't we? But that's one of the one of the uh, positive ways of dealing with this sort of thing. And and we see forums, uh, web forums, and other mailing lists and that sort of thing, devoted to legitimate and legal ways of dealing with these problems, sort of making people aware of it, rather than as as you've suggested, uh, perhaps uh, striking out at the people responsible for the the problem in the first place. Yeah, and you know what, you like you use the word legal, and at the moment, this sort of action is legal. It is legal to publish the name of somebody publicly on a website, even, even if it's been suppressed by media. Uh, it is legal to uh, publish a name of paedophiles 
names and addresses of paedophiles on the internet um, because you do, if you do it as a private citizen, even though what happens is that sometimes people use that and take matters into their own hands and, and cause problems. Yeah. Um, there was an example, a very sad example, of uh, a paediatrician whose office was uh, damaged, and I think he was even assaulted because some idiot didn't know the difference between paediatrician and paedophile. So by doing that, you're kind of inciting violence, but you're doing it in a legal way. Right, yeah. So pre- presumably the, the violence that resulted as a consequence uh, was illegal, but the act of idiocy um, that, uh, that resulted in the violence uh, was perfectly legitimate, was perfectly, perfectly legal as opposed to legitimate. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. So um, a big part of this, I'm sure, Chris, is education and, and helping people to understand the Internet and understand the consequences of, act, of their actions. So what are the things that you think that we can do to assist individuals, uh, first of all, to think more about what they're doing, and secondly, perhaps to to help to bring some of this legislation into, pay, uh, into place in a reasonable way rather than just at the behest of lobby groups? Well, I was going to cite a, a, a great example that um, we were just uh, bagging the New Zealand government a moment ago for um, their silly three strikes and you're out policy, but uh, something that uh, they tried a couple of years ago when they were reviewing the New Zealand Policing Act, I think it was the first time this was, was tried by any government around the world, they uh, put a draft of the, the new Policing Act up on a wiki and then New Zealand citizens um, could go and visit the wiki, and if they had any comments or suggestions or feedback, then uh, in, in standard wiki format, they could uh, leave those comments there, and then that became part of the um, the uh, review process uh, when the uh, the final policing act was going to be turned into legislation. So they had like public a public commentary a public consultation process that involved using a wiki. To, uh, to solicit comments from the citizenry. So uh, earlier we said uh, that one of the problems with legislation lagging behind the way the society is evolving, particularly when it comes to things like the internet, is that the legislative process is slow. So the New Zealand government saw an opportunity to use Web 2.0 to try and close the gap, to try and um, get broader consultation through the use of something like a wiki. So I think that was a very clever um, a clever step and clever use of technology, and it was uh, you, it was consulting the entire population rather than just leaving it to uh, lobby groups behind closed doors to determine the shape of the legislation. And it's a very mature way of running government, isn't it? Because if this government is for the people, then allowing the people to contribute to it uh, without necessarily it always being about um, a popularity contest. It doesn't. Democracy doesn't mean necessarily that the majority rules all the time. It means that the majority elects a sensible government to make decisions for them. But that in this case, the government's consulting with the people. Yeah, that's right. So access to the government uh, is really important in a democracy. And so this wiki was a great way of getting broad access to uh, the the electorate in New Zealand uh, and not just leaving it to those who have the money or the power or the influence, uh, those few people, to uh, influence the shape of legislation. And uh, on the other side of it, as I was talking about, like how do we educate individuals? In some cases, we feel like we're preaching to the choir. We're already preaching to the converted here. But this do think of... Think before you write, think before you act, think before you speak, because nowadays what you put out on the internet, it's very hard to take it back. Uh, You might delete what you originally posted in a blog post, but there's nothing to stop it from having been copied to blog readers everywhere and sent out to RSS feeders and, and distributed throughout the whole world, and there's no way that you can take your words back. 
That's right. That's been a recurring theme of our podcast, and so I'm sure we'll need to keep on uh, repeating that and amplifying and magnifying that message. Um, but we do need to behave sensibly because legislators hardly need an excuse to introduce draconian legislation, as we've seen in Australia with the proposed internet censorship legislation. So giving them uh, a pretext for doing clueless and stupid things is something we want to avoid. Great. Well, thank you, Chris. We've come to the end of this episode of the podcast, but I think our next one that we do will be on a similar theme. We've been talking about government and regulation and access to government. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about this open access topic in our next podcast. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, following on from what they did in New Zealand, so allowing uh, the, the citizenry to, uh, to suggest feedback on particular pieces of legislation. The other thing that uh, some governments are starting to do is provide public and open access to the information that they have. So uh, we, we're familiar with things like Hansard, the parliamentary record being available online. Then in Australia, we have things like the Australian Bureau of Statistics uh, putting up their data sets and making them available for uh, people to use free of charge. And there are lots more of these kind of efforts um, um, coming on stream. And so that's the sort of thing we're going to talk about in our next podcast. Excellent. Thanks very much for your time. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Speak to you then, Gihan. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.